Welcome once again to another stop on the Michelle Mission. Two men, one podcast, every black film ever made. My name is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul, and I am joined as always by... Yo, what's up? Hello, it's your boy. This is Len, a.k.a. The Bat Tribble. And tonight we, we, are, we are going to talk about one of the foundational elements hmm. of black film. According to everybody... Yeah. According to everybody. Once they found it. Once they found it, 1964 is nothing but a man. But before that, we do have letters. a few things to share. Uh, we've got letters. Thank you so much to each and every one of you. We always, you. always. Always that uh, give us your insightful feedback via Facebook, Twitter, as well as those who have... Um, been so kind to go on to iTunes and rank and rate us. We have uh, three five star reviews. Oh, new five star reviews. Thank you. Up on iTunes. Um, We have two thumbs up, five star review from Scribes Life. Thank you, Scribes Life. If you're looking for a film related podcast to review black films, this is for you. Both Hosts are intelligent and know their films. No need to wait for other podcasts to review the three or four black films that gain a national release every year. The Michelle Mission is all you need. Thank you, fellas. Much needed. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Most definitely. Uh, We got a five-star review from a Michelle missionary. Very nice. It is Gen XJB. Thank you, Gen X. JB. And Len and Vince's weekly commentary on African American cinema is high quality critique with a dash of sincerity, plenty of honesty, and a lot of fun. Oh, thank you. I like that. That was nice. That was nice. And I I like the embracing of the Michelle missionary. Uh, absolutely, because we're in this together. We're we are all on this. We ride. are in this together. And uh Bougie Square Society. Okay. It's a five-star review. This is a great podcast. I highly recommend it to everyone. All right. So that was very Thank nice. you for that. Thank you very much. We also got some feedback on Twitter. Um, Gail Willis, who is a fan of the Black Tribbles. Yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, what's up, Gail? Of uh, the Michelle Mission. I think she may have been drunk tweeting. Uh-oh. On, Watch uh, out now. On uh, St. Patrick's Day. All right. Because <laughs> um, there's a series of tweets. <laughs> At Michelle Mission. I'll try and do this in her voice. Okay. Do that St. Patrick's Day classic Leprechaun in the Hood. Leprechaun in the Hood. I cannot be the only one who watches it every year. I don't watch it every year, but I'm a fan I've, of, of I, Leprechaun in the Hood. I've actually never seen Leprechaun in the Hood. You've never seen Le- Have you seen any of the Leprechaun I've movies? I've never seen... I think I may have seen the lep- the first one a long time ago. You know what though? If we had two hours instead of the one hour that we did on Get Out, I would have folded Leprechaun in the hood and Leprechaun in in general into our conversation. That's right about because- black people in horror movies. Like what would have been the the linchpin? What would have been the well? I I think I think that that sort of Leprechaun in the Hood because it started out just as leprechaun. as as a series and then it kind yeah. of shifted into Leprechaun in the Hood. I think that that is proof of of my read that sort of a racialized look at those slasher movies, those kind of late eighties, early nineties movies, where the audience begins to feel disdain for the the victims in Mm. these films Mm -hmm. because they do stupid stuff Mm -hmm. and then we start to see the quote-unquote monster as a protagonist so you know we we talked about and we talked about a little bit where you start you know you had those breakout monsters where you know you had jason and and freddy krueger and all and leprechaun was just sort of the logical endpoint. okay and then you kind of bring race into it and because it's leprechaun in the hood so now was he in the hood for just the one film or did he return? I think to there the were hood? two. I think there were two Leprechaun in the Hood movies. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. And again, it's just one of those weird kind of nineties curios where it's like, huh. Like you had to be there. Or if you're Gail, you revisit it every year on St. Patrick's Day. Every year Day. on St. Patrick's Day. She went on to say, uh, at Michelle Mission, scratch that previous post. <laughs> Maybe too many triggers for Vince. 
do one on the other St. Patrick's Day classic, Leprechaun Back to the Hood. Le- well, there you go. There you go. I was about to say, I don't think there are any, I don't think there are any of my triggers in the Leprechaun movies. Because he's a leprechaun. Like, that's the whole hook. He, like, it's no ghost. It's no kids. Yeah, that's not, yeah. You know, it's not the devil. So you should be good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only kind of non thing, non triggery thing that scares me, appropriately enough, because they just released the uh, teaser today, is it. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I don't mess with it. Now is is that because of clowns or just it no, itself? Because it is actually scary as blankety blankety blank. Really? Like the like I remember the first the first joint, like watching it in a room with like five. 20 something year old dudes and everybody was just kind of quiet and scared it's crazy because like pennywise in the sewer yeah well yeah come i guess that that, that was it was a, come on it was definitely made me uncomfortable like everyone jokes about oh we're scared of clowns like uh, yeah it it was really out of order plus that was tim curry man plus it was tim curry who's just generally a little creepy a little creepy so so the teaser, I haven't seen the teaser. Is it, um, does it look like it's good? It looks like, I mean, it does look like it's good. I ain't messing with it, but it looks like it's good. <laughs> I mean, I ain't, I, ain't messing, I, ain't messing, I ain't messing with it. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, life's too short. Uh-uh. <laughs> Not at all. I look like watching some it. My old ass sitting on the sofa looking through my fingers at, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> but it looks it looks good. Stephen King seems to be pleased. Yeah, well, what is he going to say? I, I heard that about, you know, he was saying, like, you know, it's going to be, like, the the truth. Like, what's he going to say? He didn't like The Shining. He didn't like Kubrick's did, The Shining. But he didn't say that until after the film came out. Right, but I'm just saying. So, you know. before, the, he's not going to bash anything before the right, film. Right, right, I see he's what you're saying. His, he's going to make Like, we have loop. to wait five years from now. Yeah. yeah. Then you're going to see how he really feels. Mm-hmm. Um, Gail went on to say. Gail went on to say. All right. So, Gail is a loser. At Michelle Mission. Sorry if I've been tweeting you guys too much tonight. I think I might be a little tipsy. Oh, that's all right. <laughs> so better you tweet than you drive. Amen. And it was fun. It was fun uh taking that 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 stroll with you. Yeah. Um, Gail. So we appreciate it. Uh Ghost Dog at 410 laid back. Hit all us right. up. Good movie. We need to watch Ghost Dog. I did I've seen Ghost Dog. We need to watch Ghost Dog. It's it's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. It's not as good as everybody makes it out to be. That's true. But it is good. It's good though. It's written. It's got some kind of interesting things going on in it. It's got some interesting themes to it. Right. We actually should have done it right after um The Last Dragon. Because, because it's sort of those same kind of themes of cultural appropriation and mm. you know, what does it actually mean? Like that's that would actually be a really good double feature. The Last Dragon and Ghost Dog. Ghost Dog at 410 laid back. You know I'm poking at you. Yeah, I know. I'm poking the bear. And that's, I'm keeping it moving. <laughs> uh, says, at Michelle Mission, um, he's talking about, in, in regards to our review of Bingo Long's Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings. And Motorcade. Uh, Motor Kings. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Motor Kings. Uh, he says, that was a great movie. So happy a studio backed this movie and the vastly talented cast. After all, it was the 70s. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, we've talked about this before. Big fan of the Motown movies. Very true. And uh, the mayor Tribble uh, said that. What's up, Dan Dinkins? Said he had to pull over because he was feeling a little woozy uh, from laughing so hard. (laughs) I guess that's good. I was about to say, hopefully that's good. That speaks well. That speaks well. So, um, just a little peek behind the curtains, ladies and gentlemen, before we get into our review of Nothing But a Man. we are Vince will soon be trekking off. I mean, now I have to know that we it's gonna be scheduled. Like everything's gonna be, gonna be but scheduled. But you're gonna be off to Europe. Yes, yes. I've never been. My cousin put together a trip. That's so nice. So is it, is it gonna be a group or just you, your family? It's just my family, my cousin, and a friend of hers. Now, where in Europe are you going? We are going to Paris, mm-hmm. London, and Rome. Paris, London, and Rome. Right. Okay. Like it's one of those tour deals you do like three days and Okay. So do you already have it marked to where you're going at each place? Yes. You, you know, the way it works is like there's one day that's scheduled, there's one day that's free, 
Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it's like that day that you kind of travel in right. between. Travel day, right. Yeah. So. Okay. All right. So I'm putting it out there to our Michelle missionaries out there. Okay. Hit us up at Vince in Europe, hashtag at Vince in Europe, or just tweet us. Right, right. And offer some recommendations that's, to Vince. That's actually a really good idea. And where his family for what they can do on their free days right, in Paris right. and Rome, Rome and London. And London. But more importantly, cuz you know, my that's nice. That's very nice, Lynn. I'm glad you thought about my family. Vince is looking for record stores. Okay. Comic shops. Mhm. Bookstores. What about some good wine? Yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm not really that guy. Okay. So you're looking for good record shops, comic book shops, and bookstores in Paris, Rome, and London. Would not turn down a sneaker boutique. Ooh. Like, you know, a little sneaker shop. Ooh. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. So hit us up, all you people out there uh, who I know, you know, the, the beautiful thing about our audience is that they are not only well-read and um, scholars of movies on, on, of their own. Bon vivants. They one are bon vivants. One they are all. well-traveled. I've said this for over a year now. I've always wanted to be involved with a project that I'd actually want to hang out with the people. Yeah. That, like, listen and, you know. Like, I won't name people, but like, so there's some people that you see that you know. Like, you can feel it come off of them that they mm-hmm. hate their audience. Yeah, like yeah, like this true. is a job and they pay me a lot to be here, but I would never hang out with these people. Yeah, and I have to say that you know it has been our our experience over mm-hmm. the past year plus that we is really cool people. Most certainly, <laughs> so like it's really cool people. So let us it. know. Let so. us know what um where Vince can go in Paris, London, and Rome for good yes. comics, records, books, and. Sneakers, yes, and just you know, something I need to see here. Oh, yeah, you know, yeah, do that, okay? All right, all right, all right, let's get into 1964's, 1964's Nothing But a Man. This is Brother Anderson. He's a nice young man. When I met you the other day, I had the feeling that you're different. Baby, you must be crazy. My wife and I don't want you hanging around our daughter. Ain't too often I get a chance to meet a girl like you. You should be quitting the railroad, huh, man? You must be plumb out of your mind. You gotta watch yourself pretty close. If you fellas stuck together instead of letting them walk all over you, they might not try it. They've been doing it all my life. Well, maybe it's time you stop letting them. You sound like a trouble, man. I want to always talk about sticking together. You want to keep a job, boy? Just how do you intend to support your family, huh? How would you like to have a baby, Duff? Now, if you want to work like a real nigga, you can always go out and chop cotton. They've done that too long in my family. You're not a man because of a job, Duff. I could work even after the baby comes. You ain't going to no white home. Damn it, nigga, you must think you're white. How come you don't hate their guts? I guess I'm not afraid of them. I can't stand to see you like that. I love you. Man, 1964, directed and co-written by Michael Romer, follows the life of um Duff. worker yeah. Duff Anderson as he settles down 
meets a woman, settles into his life. And that is gen- I mean, that is really the plot. And the complications come from the fact that he is a black man in 1964. And this is set in the deep south in a small town in Alabama, in Alabama. So it really is about the challenges that he faces as he tries to be nothing but a man uh, stars. Ivan Dixon, Abby Lincoln. And it is rounded out by a great cast, including a turn turned by Yafet Koto, mm-hmm. Julius Lester, a very young, so young that I didn't even recognize her, Gloria Foster. Really? That is Gloria Foster playing playing Lynn. Playing playing um Duff's father's lady. Yeah, Lynn. Lynn, yes. Yes. I, she looked familiar and I yeah. couldn't Okay. Oh, so wow. So, you know, very well regarded always when you see a list of black films, you should see nothing but a man is always on there. Uh, Lynn, this is your choice. Yeah, this was my choice. I had heard um, good things about this film um, over the over, I guess maybe over like the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. Um, And it would go in and out of my memory. It's like there was a movie somebody was talking about. I need to be watching. And I would. Invariably, I will remember that Ivan Dixon was um, had something to do with it. Right. And then when I would remember to kind of bring this up to somebody to see if it sparked something in their head, they wouldn't remember nothing but a man. They would remember the spook that sat, sat by the door, sat by the door because that was directed by Ivan Dixon. Right. So that's the one that they would always remember. It's like, oh, right. it's Ivan right. Dixon. It must be that movie. That's the movie that everybody talks about. And um, and eventually I would uh, sit down and see the spook that sat by the door. We'll deal with that when we do a review of that film. Yes. Um, but I, I, I can't remember. I don't remember exactly how Nothing But a Man was um, re-revealed to me. And of course, you know, weeks. Ivan Dixon, by, you know, sort of famously as, famously. as Sergeant Kinchlow, a.k.a. One. Kinch on Hogan's Heroes. Yes. From uh, 1964. No, from 1965 to 1970. Yeah, yeah. So this movie was actually before Hogan's Heroes. Comedy about a Nazi prison camp. I just always like to say that. (laughs) There was a comedy about a Nazi prison camp. But go ahead. Hogan's Heroes is the all-time favorite TV show of one of my best friends. Really? She owns every episode of Hogan's Heroes on videotape and then bought the DVDs and watches them probably at least once a year. It's a good show. It's a strange show. Very now, strange. Like show. when you watch it now, it's just off-putting. But a little bit. But I mean, I'm sorry. Go a ahead. I bit. didn't want to go ahead and get that uh, clear that up. That this is that Ivan Dixon. Most definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like I said, I don't remember exactly how it was re-revealed to me in recent in recent times, mm-hmm. but I'm glad that it was. So I I put it on our calendar like boom, this is the movie that I want to see. Right. And then when it came up, I was like, yes, that's the movie I want to see. Yes. So I went and saw it and um and I had heard the stories about how this movie had come out in the sixties. They had spent basically most of their budget on doing the film, so much so that they didn't have hardly any film any money to promote it right so therefore it didn't get a wide release and thus it was a film that was not um well seen no by blacks or whites or by anybody right right um and it was only in within the last maybe 10 or 20 years right that has been rediscovered and reappreciated for being a seminal Af- piece of African American work, a piece of piece of film. Famously, work. when it did come out initially, its its most famous fan was, of course, Malcolm X. See, I did not know that. Now, is apparently this was Malcolm X's famous uh, favorite film. Really? Yep. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's not hard to it's it's not hard to see why once you mm-hmm. see this film, because um, this film, which, like you say. It is a very. It's, there's nothing tricky about the plot, right? It's about the. It, it literally starts at the beginning of this man's journey to um, uh, dealing with life, um, really as a black man, right? In these times, I mean, it it does ostensibly go into his relationship with his with his girlfriend who becomes his wife, but it really everything is 
basically the point of view is him. He's our window into this world. Yes. Um, and he's the one who you are, you are asked to have the uh, regard for his feelings and his and his dealing with the trials and tribulations of what they're going of what they're going through. Um, yet, so so the movie doesn't try to trick you and think into being more than what it is, right? But it in in doing what it is doing, it is so assured of what it is that that confidence just breathes off of the screen mm-hmm. and because of that you are that much more um, um, enveloped by the movie by the atmosphere by the acting by the simple story because it's a story that you can appreciate and you can understand right um, for its forthrightness and it just sucks you in yeah and yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean you know, I like this movie, but I hated this movie because this movie this movie was raw, man. It it really hit home. Yeah. Hard, man. Yeah. Just from I mean, from the and and it's it's a movie that like I can see Malcolm X, I can see almost any black man loving this movie because it's the story of a black man, but it's the story of a black man from every aspect. It's it's his brotherhood with the with yeah, the guys that he's working that. with because he works he's 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 a railroad worker in the beginning right right initially uh, and and that begin the beginning of the movie how it sets it up with the sights and sounds of mm-hmm. just working on the railroad mm-hmm. and it's not it's not the the cartoonish working on the railroad that you see in a lot of films you know everybody's singing the slave they're singing the songs all in rhythm as they pounding down the, yeah you know it ain't John Henry or nothing like right, that right Right, right. But it, it's just a group of men hard at work. Yes. You know, they don't seem like they are uh, um, uh, being put upon. They're just doing their job. Yeah. You know, doing what at that time in 19, in, in mid 60s, 1980, uh, uh, in mid 60s America was a relatively good paying job. Yeah, you yeah. Know, they according were happy to, to, according to the film, job. they said it was yeah. you know, the best they could get exactly which was you know and you know sign of the times right. yo man this is a good 80 dollars right. a week because they're working on the railroad but they're they're basically traveling exactly like they work on a section of the railroad and then they take them to another part mm-hmm. and work so it's not like it's it's a steady job but it's not a stationary job exactly so they're always on the road right and they're always going from town to town and and because of that and because you know in in the in the black community you know this is such a highly regarded job but it's also a job that people know oh they know the type of guys that work on they it. they know the type of and guys that they, work on it that's they, right they, they, they tend to be a little bit transient and and who knows when they come into your town they're just looking to like you know yeah unload a little bit yeah um so the girl that he falls for josie the preacher's daughter right played play, play by abby lincoln played by by jazz singer abby yes abby lincoln i knew i recognized her face mm-hmm. but i didn't really put it together until i looked back looking right. looking into the and, film. and this is the second time we've had a film with abby lincoln in it what, what, what she other plays Bleak Gilliam's mother. Really? That's her. She plays Bleak Gilliam's mother. Really? She's wearing the same head wrap at one point. Because <laughs> wow. that's the other thing, you know, like it's it's that weird black don't crack where it's like I think she's looked like she was 40 years old mm-hmm. since she was 19. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but then she just stayed looking forty years yeah, old. So she yeah. looked the same in nineteen sixty four as she looked in nineteen ninety one in Mo Better Blues. Wow. Yeah. Wow. How about that? I didn't. I, I didn't pick up on that. I. I. Just, I. You know, the wig was a little dis, dis, <laughs> disconcerting for it, me in this film. It's a tough wig. It's a tough wig. That's though. a tough wig. Is it, yeah. They didn't. They didn't use any of the budget on the wig. <laughs> no. Um. You know, they would. They should have just gone with her afro because she has a natural. I, I know. And, and it, which would have looked the door. Right. Uh, right. Fantastic. But you know, I understood it. Um. But uh. So he falls for the preachers. Preachers. Um, daughter, mm-hmm. and from the from the from the beginning of the film, you can tell that you know he's one with his brothers on the railroad, right? But 
he's maybe of a higher mindset of a higher of a higher dare i say intellect he's more woke right well then and there's no future in this railroad life and he understands and that. he understands that so he you know he's sort that. of thinking about yeah especially when you've learned because of how of his upbringing right. and his father not really being there right and losing his mom his mom was dead and then he has a and he has a um a rekindling with his father so so like i was saying like this there's, there's so many touchstones for a black man in 1964 the brotherhood with the guys on the railroad the meeting the the the, the relationship with josie it's yeah. a it's a very true and authentic it, relationship it is, it is um you know i have a feeling that there it may have been for this film a little bit more one-sided because of, like i say everything is more from his point of view right um but outside of that, there is an authenticity to that relationship. He easily yeah. could they easily could have played it a lot more broadly than they did. Yeah, and yeah. They, and they and it's very it's a very nuanced performance. You have his relationship with the preacher Josie's father. Yeah, and and how the father, the the preacher, who has made a name for himself at in this small Alabama town. But he's done so at the at the forsakening of yeah. his of his manhood. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, it, it's just like Ivan. You know, Duff uh, tells him, it's "Like, man, you you've been stupid so long. Yeah, you, know, you just half a man. You don't even know how to stand up." Exactly. I mean, yeah. it's very and 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 when he says that to his at that point father in law, it's a cutting. It's cutting words, but I think it cuts even more because it's he says it matter of factly. Right. It's not. It's he's not trying to. He's not screaming at him. And yet, the irony of that scene is that he's there. His father in law has to get him a job, though. Yeah. Because he's so busy being a quote unquote man Mm -hmm. that he has backed himself into this corner. Right, that none of the white people who own everything will hire him. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it is. Um, there's another side of the black brotherhood that you see once um, he gets married, which means that he can no longer work on a railroad because of by the nature of what that job is. Right, so he has to get a job in the city. He gets a job on on the mill on, at the sawmill, um, at where there are a bunch of brothers again. He's trying, who he's trying to kind of see if he can't grow some type of relationship or brotherhood right. there. Yeah, but these are different brothers. These are different brothers who, are, who, are, who, because of where they're at in Alabama, got this low-paying job right. and families at home. Yes. They have to be mindful of their steps. Right. Mindful of their words. Mindful of how they um, uh, 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 deal and interact and communicate with the white man and their white bosses. That's right. Um, and that's a reality that Duff hasn't faced. Right. And because when he, he has... faces this, he's like, what? Get, get the hell out of it. You know, um, but he's, he's, he's not real big demonstrative of it. Uh, uh, he doesn't like, like um, all of a sudden, like start rallying and put up, you know, like, like yo, we need to start a union and all this. Right. He just makes a matter of fact. He's just a regular dude. He's just a regular. He dude. just won't be a regular dude. Check, checking it out, and he's just like you know, hey, you know, like you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, we don't have to take but so much. At the end of the day, of all he's saying, he's not saying like you know, we need to rally up and like you know, like we don't, you don't, we don't need to do like he pride is not a civil rights like leader. He is not a revolutionary. No, he just wants the dignity. That he thinks should be afforded him exactly as and, and an adult man, and that's what it is because that's all truly this film he's doing. He's he's looking for dignity, right? Uh, ultimately, to discover the dignity within himself, right? Um, which is what his wife was telling him all along. Yes, which you know, it, it's funny. This made me think about westerns. Quite honestly, okay. and okay. and sort of that 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 sort of 
you know, almost film 101 understanding of Westerns, mm-hmm. where Westerns, if you look at them a lot of times, it's it's about sort of uh, sort of the frontier mm-hmm. life mm-hmm. versus domesticity. Right. Where it's always a case where, you know, you have the lone cowboy and you have this and he represents the frontier and, and the unknown. And then you have a woman who represents the home. And there's always like the real the real struggle in a lot of Westerns is whether or not this man is going to give up the frontier mm-hmm. and settle down. And I think nothing but a man kind of deals with that. But then you put race on top of that issue yeah. so that you have this character Duff and he, you know, when it begins, he is very much on the frontier. Like he is very, like you said, he has this band of brothers yeah. and they travel from town to town mm-hmm. and they wander. And he has gotten to a point in his life, uh, specifically after he, he meets with his father because that's when he proposes after he goes to see his father his father is living in this room with this woman and has nothing to show for his life and he wants to just settle down but sort of what's so insidious about the kind of structural racism that these men had to deal with in 1964 and maybe 2017 is that you are not afforded the same opportunities and the same sort of level of dignity mm-hmm. when you're black so that you know and I almost want to do like like we'll have you know I said we I never did a um spoiler a, a spoiler alert before a get out but I almost want to tell people like if you haven't seen this you should go see it yeah. and then listen to the rest of this because what I thought was remarkable about this film is that there's no big racial explosion Right. Like it's in the air. Mm-hmm. But it's like, you know, another film, you know, his wife would have gotten raped. Someone would have gotten lynched. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. a cross would have gotten And burned. there's always hints of it because it's of, in the air. Because of who she is, right. the preacher's daughter, and, walking and, around here, sashaying with a And that is certainly part of the language yeah. of this community. But I think what makes it even, and, you know, like you said, even raw, rawer, is that these men, like, that's. Culture Kings is a podcast on the How Stuff Works Network, hosted by comedians Jackie's Neal and Edgar Montplacier. Every Wednesday and Friday, these two friends dive into topics ranging from sports, music, to movies, style. They wonder whether or not Donald Glover is a genius or a weirdo. They continuously decipher Kanye West's tweets and behavior. They also have recurring segments like Queen of the Week, The List, and Top Fives like Marvel Movies and Video Games. Listen to Culture Kings and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts and find out the best way to eat a taco. Oh. What's the best way to eat a taco? That's with your hands? With your hands. Also, with salsa on top of everything to hold the ingredients down. It's like a layer. It's the layer. Right. So that the lettuce doesn't fall off. Can't have falling lettuce not what these men deal with like like you almost want to use a terminology like microaggressions Mm -hmm. like there's just this this relentless dehumanizing and emasculating that goes on they refer to boy and nigger and jack and and all of these sort of demeaning terms and and you're not allowed to sort of you you know you, you have to smile and you have to grin yep or or there's just all of this pushback and again, it's structural. So, you know, he gets fired from a job, but then he can't get another job mm-hmm. because the word has gone out about him or the type of jobs he can get are the type of jobs that, you know, he feels he, he can't maintain his dignity. Either yeah. there's, you know, they want him to dress up like a butler or, or they want him to, to pick cotton. Right. And to me, that's what makes this film so powerful. Yeah, because it isn't, you know, somebody got lynched, you know, like I said, it's something really dramatic, but it just shows how this day to day life and this choice of domesticity, like I'm going to get married, like I'm going to leave the road and I'm going to get married. I'm going to you know, become a good man, if you will. Mm-hmm. But there's so much that pushes against him mm-hmm. and you watch it kind of poison 
his relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So that, you know, I thought I thought it was an extraordinary film. Like it kind of snuck up on me. Like I was like, I was like, yeah, I like it. This is good. But then by the end, I really was fully invested in this story. Oh, man. That it told. I was just like you just said how it poisoned his relationship. And I'm thinking, like, if this film had had some big inciting moment or mm-hmm. event, like you said, like a lynching or 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 he him getting even beaten up at his job. There's right. a couple of opportunities where it looks like something's going to happen, like right. on the road when he's dealing with some white some white knuckleheads. Um, but it, it really is just about the intensity and the, the atmosphere that that creates. Um, but if it if something like that had happened. It would be easy for the character and for the writer to um, have that character now just mad at whoever did this. Right. At the perpetrators of this. Right. And then just being full-blown to enact some type of vengeance in whatever way. Right. Right. But because it is just the structure and the system that is just like – constantly having its foot on his neck when all he wants to do is just straighten his neck and just stand a little straight and right just, just live yeah just live he just really live. all he wants to do yeah that's all he wants to do and and he has his wife josie who is you know in his eyes scared but she's not scared she's not scared at all she is just she is like no, they can't touch you on the inside. Right, they can't touch you on the inside. They, it's only only if you let them, only if you let them will they will they do that. And at an increasing moments, despite his demeanor, they keep reaching closer and closer to the inside. Yeah. Oh until, yeah. Until when they do reach inside, now his anger is not at them. His anger is at himself and not being able to you know because he wants to be so self self sufficient right right but he's unable to pull himself out of that right and then unfortunately that anger gets enacted against his wife right because right. all she is doing lashes is trying to help him help him and, and build him up and he lashes out at, at her in a violent moment, not the most violent moment, thankfully. No, no, no. But no. it is a violent moment. And while it's not the, the the biggest, craziest violence, it hit me hard. Yeah. It hit me. I was like, yo. Ooh, yeah. Oh, dude. Yeah. Oh, man. I mean, like, I really felt. Yeah. Like, that was just like. Oh, dude, and and I felt for her. Just uh, it it was just. I mean, it was terrible. It was was terrible terrible. because you know he's lashing out, but he's like you said, he's lashing out against her, and and it's 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 all it's part of another pattern that you kind of see. Like like I think you're right that this is a man's story, Mm -hmm. but there's almost this parallel shadow story about the women in these men's lives true and how they are you you know how they kind of navigate their relationships with these wounded men yeah yeah and again all of it is structural like all of it is all of it is everyone trying to to maintain some type of something Mm -hmm. in this this kind of predatory system so that you, you know whether you're talking about his father and the woman that he lives with, whether you're talking about the sort of unnamed woman who is tasked with taking care of his son. Oh, yeah. After, right. after you know, whether you're talking about the, the woman who was, you know, basically the town prostitute. Mm-hmm. And she has a kind of deal with these traveling men where, you know, his friend actually says it was so sad to me. Like she says business is bad. And, and one of one of Duff's friends says, yeah, it's tough when other women are giving it away for free. Right. And it's like she's just sort of looking for some 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 affection from mm-hmm. someone. Mm-hmm. And all of this again in this world that you know, I'm sure some of the white men in this film were in the Ku Klux Klan. Like I'm sure some of them were just sort of You mean the characters. The characters. So oh, okay. the characters were in the Ku Klux Klan. But these are very ordinary 
white men. Like you said, there are a couple of jerks yeah. in the car. Mm-hmm. But I think this was, I think the, the film really kind of positions these men as regular white men in this world. Exactly. But by being a regular white man in this world, you practice again this sort of this sort of relentless racism. Mm -hmm. You know, again, nobody is raped. There are no cross burnings. There's nothing. But it is relentless. Yeah. And I think you you know one of the one of the best things that the film does is it a shows you the toll that it takes mm-hmm. on these men, but b it kind of explains why a lot of men opt out. Yep, and say I'm not going to do that. Like like you talked about the brotherhood with the men on the railroad, and and to me like the most beautiful scene in the film, like the the most purely beautiful scene where you have people as close to happy as you can there's a sequence where the men on the railroad are out in the woods oh yeah and they're hunting a rabbit yeah and and they work as a team like you talked to like you said i think you're right there there are no railroad songs there's none of this sort of classic movie stuff where you see the men on the railroad but when they're hunting this rabbit, they are working as a team. Yes, they are. And you can tell that they know each other and they know what to do. And they, they catch this rabbit. And then the scene cuts to the rabbit being cooked over an open fire in a yep. cast iron um, cast skillet. Iron skillet. And the men are just in this sort of field. And Yafet Koto was sitting on the wall looking at some water with grass in his mouth. And it's a quick scene, but it tells you. This is the alternative mm-hmm. to quote unquote settling down. Yeah. And it makes perfect sense. It does. Like you completely like these men aren't trifling. These men aren't, you know, I just don't want to get married. But this is as close to freedom as they can get in this world. You know what? You know what? It, that reminded me that scene because I was with you. I felt the freedom that they felt right there. Right. And. And uh, because of one, they were they were free to just have that moment, right? To be about themselves, you know, out there having fun, being almost like children again. Mm-hmm. Um, didn't have to worry about anybody coming and and like telling them, like, "Come on, it's time to get back to work." Because they do their job, mm-hmm. they do their job. They don't mind doing their job because they, they know their job is going to pay them well. They're in their mind. They're traveling the world. They're carefree. They're living in life. Um, all is great. It reminded me of uh, Sidney Poitier's character in what was it? Paris, Paris Blues. Paris Blues. Yeah, yeah. Because he, when faced with the prospect of coming back to America, was like, "Why? Right. I'm good right here, and everything that comes with it. If I go back." Exactly. Yeah. And, and and that is exactly what they are telling Duff when when once when d- they find out that Duff is seeing the, the preacher's wife. They right, like right. The, the preacher's daughter. Right, right. They're so like a teacher. What's <laughs> gonna do it for a teacher? What's gonna do it with a teacher, dog? And uh, Yafa Kodo's like, just get a drunk. You know? Um but then when they find out that he's gonna marry marry her, they're like, dude, are you serious? Yeah. Because you know what this means. Yeah. You ain't going to get a job. It's going to pay you no more than $20 a right. week, maybe. And you have to live here now. And you got you to gotta live here. Have but you, you know, know what I love? Way? They still his dudes. Though. They still his dudes. They are still the his dudes. The one dude who was popping the most yang is the best is man the at best his, man at, his at his wedding. the wedding. I love that. I did love that. Yeah. I did. Because that shocked me. I yeah. was like. Look at them, and they and they and they're there. Yeah. They stand up. They like basically like the only dude you know. Like that's his whole his whole family. Right. That's his family right there. And right. They're there for his boys. They still go see him. You well, know. These are free men. These are free men practicing their freedom as opposed to the men who have been co opted mm-hmm. for you know good reasons. For and, good I mean, reasons. You know. One thing that um, Abby Lincoln's father says to him at one point because he's a preacher, and he asks Duff, "Do you go to church?" And Duff says, no, I don't go to church. And he says, if you lived in a town like this, you would find use for church. Yeah. I mean, these men aren't, you know, like I didn't have scorn for these men. I had pity for these men 
because they're, they're stuck in, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're in this town, they have families, mm-hmm. they've been beaten down and broken. Mm-hmm. So, of course, one of the men is going to go back and say that Duff is a troublemaker. I had scorn for that guy. <laughs> but the reason why I had scorn for that guy is because, one, yes, I knew one of them was, was going to be, be the one that opened. It's always a snitch. And he's the one that had, like, the little wry smile on his face. Right, 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 movie. right. But I also remember flashing forward that he was a jerk on an episode of i think good times (laughs) i don't remember i don't know the character the actor's name i I think he's james's father isn't he i think so i think so and he and he jerks him over there you know who else he is who you want to talk about he is remember the the dude who bullied little kevin hooks in the learning tree oh wow he's the bully's father in the learning tree Wow! So he's he always plays a jerk, a jerk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's got jerk. Right I didn't like him either. <laughs> I didn't like, but I didn't like him because of the learning tree. I said, "Oh, that's that little dude's father in the learning tree." Get up on your seventies TV, ladies and gentlemen, because I know people like learning tree. Learning tree. What's the learning tree? We actually got to do the learning tree. See what? But was the learning tree? I seem to remember later. that being a TV movie. I don't think it was a feature was film. Was Learning Tree a TV movie? I think movie? it was a TV movie. I, did, I don't know. Well, we'll find out. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a good, yeah. <laughs> we'll find but out. But yeah, you had scorn for him. Oh, yeah. I had big time scorn for yeah. him. Oh, yes. I wanted him to die. But um, <laughs> I, so, I so did. Um, this, uh, it was very interesting to see, to see Ivan Dixon in, in this film. Mm-hmm. Because... Outside of Hogan's Heroes, right, and knowing that he was the director of, you know, Spook, the only other thing I really knew of Ivan Dixon is his role in Car Wash, and like in Car Wash, he's a lot. He's a little older. I was about to say I barely even connect him. Yeah, you yeah. know, he, he's he's kind of older. He's the one that's kind of like talking down uh, Bill Duke's character in mm-hmm. that film and stuff like that. Um, but he always struck me, especially in uh, Hogan's Heroes, as someone who is on Hogan's Heroes because I I, I need a job, right? Absolutely. But I, I'm of I know that I'm I'm better than this, right? Um, which once you learn about his career, you learn that he he in fact was because he was while he was doing that he was putting his money towards the civil rights movement at that time. Oh yeah, yeah, and absolutely. doing a lot of um, like independent independent stuff. So he was certainly of a higher higher mind. Um, but seeing him in this film uh, really made me appreciate the actor. Ivan Dixon. So quiet. So quiet. And so sort of cerebral and because yeah. he's so cerebral and he is it's smartly playing this role in that for a lot of the film and it, it and it definitely is an art. The beginning of the film, he's almost bemused by everything he's he's coming across, whether yeah. it be within with you know the, the his his buddies on the railroad to even dealing with Josie and um, some of the naivete or what he seems views as naivete on her part. Um, and even, even when he is confronted about, you know, uh, possibly trying to start a, a union on his second job at the sawmill and realizing that the guys turned, you know, like donned them out. He almost has a bemused look on his face. Like really? Yeah. Like okay, okay, but 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 that bemusement is is so smartly um, played in the beginning because you can see where it makes the transition to just an intense in, inner anger, yeah, um, and then uh, and a self loathing of a bit, um, and a recrimination of some of his actions. Uh, especially once he revisits his father near the end of the film, yeah, um, and how that all plays out. It it really is just a very smart performance, yeah. Throughout and, this film, and it's surrounded by them. 
Yes, it's surrounded it a lot, like it you is. know, like as smart as as in sort of multifaceted as Ivan Dixon is, Abby Lincoln is right there with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Julius Lester as his father is is magnificent. Yeah, and you know he's Julius another, Harris. I'm sorry, Julius Harris, and he's another one like like we just talked about. Um, the man at the mill, and in, in his, you know, Julius Harris is just one of these great character actors that mm-hmm. pops up throughout the 70s. Um, and this was his acting debut. Did you know this? I did not know this was his debut. Not only was this his acting debut, and, and mind you, he's playing Ivan Dixon's father, so he's right. an older guy. Yeah. Um, according to Wikipedia, he made his acting debut playing Duff's father. He was, at the time that he was cast, he was a male nurse that okay. had always wanted to act. Well, he's fantastic. And then think about the, all the work that he does after right, that. Right, right, right. My, my favorite, of course, being in Uptown. No, let's do it again. Let's do it again. Because he, he works for Kansas City Mac. Yep. Yeah. But um, he's fantastic. Yafet Koto maybe has three lines in the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. He's amazing. He is. He is amazing in those. And you see everything going on mm-hmm. Un- much like Ivan Dixon's um, performance all of these all everything going on right underneath the surface yeah it's a very it's a very it's a very uh, a mannered performance by Yafet Koto which is not always what you get later in his right in right his career right oh absolutely um Gloria Foster yeah. as his father's lady has this like I don't even know how she pulls it off but it's matronly but there's sort of I, I mean maybe this was Mari did you read this vein of sexuality let me tell you something. in her in her performance with Duff let me tell you something if near the end of the film I won't kind of give away what happens but near the end of the film when you see the two of them walking off yes if if you had not told me that they were going to just walk off into the sunset in this film, I would have I would have been like, well, when sense. they dance together, not even when they dance, when they're just sitting there at the bar. And I think that's deliberate. I think, you, you know, again, back to, you, you know, we're talking about the men's challenges, but I think women had to make these decisions. Yeah. And they had to make them fat. They had to make hard decisions, and they yeah, may they had to make them. And she says, "At I mean, she says it at the end. I just don't like empty rooms, empty rooms in a house, and it's all there. Yep. You know, it's not explicit, not overt, or anything it's like not that. overt. It's not even stated. No, it's not even necessarily. An but her performance, it's all of it, Something right there in the way she looks." Other thing I wanted to make sure I, I didn't lose, you know, we were talking about these performances and talking about the, the, the sort of storyline and the setting, which I think are ultimately the most important. But and so, you know, Michael Romer directed this and he also co-wrote it with, with Robert, Robert Young. Young, who was the cinematographer. Yeah. And you can tell mm-hmm. because I think this is a really well shot film and well lit and well like everything about this film I mean you have these wonderful establishing shots and you get this great sense of place Mm -hmm. Uh, I I, I noticed several times that sort of the use of darkness oh yeah where the 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 few lights that are on whether they're outside whether they're inside whether headlights whether it's headlights where you can tell that the lights are Barely holding the darkness at bay. Yep. And it's very much just a, a visual metaphor of mm-hmm. what these people are going through. Mm-hmm. And and there are so many shots like that. Yeah. And, you know, these sort of long shots, you know, these sort of oblique, not oblique, but kind of weirdly angled shots mm-hmm. of people's faces. It show mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it actually reminded me a bit of... um. What was our film with Max Julian and um Oh uh, Uptown Uptight? Uptight. Yeah. Uptight. Like like I got I got got a, a bit of uptight yeah. in this. Yeah. And and but this is black and white. So you have a different set of tools so and arguably less tools. Yeah. 
and arguably it, more tools. Arguably more, argu- arguably more tools. Yeah. But it's just a beautifully shot film and a beautifully directed. And it's something you said at the very beginning, the confidence mm-hmm. in in these filmmakers and really everyone involved. Yeah. Just sort of it's it's this really kind of um, understated but muscular film, I guess, yeah. like yeah. because everybody is is almost flexing mm-hmm. what they do. Mm-hmm. And it, it it really is a great film. There were two scenes. There's two scenes that really stand out to me as far as the direction and the cinematography. There's a scene where, um, and and you, you're right. There's a whole lot of beautiful establishing shots. There's an establishing shot of like a, a, a dolly shot of going through the town. Uh, of I think it's a bus. Uh, you see a schoolyard. Yeah, I think you see a schoolyard. Kids are at play. And then you see the bus go by, and it's obviously the school bus. And the school bus goes by, and you you roll along with the school bus until it goes out of the shot to reveal Duff and Josie uh, far away talking together on a swing. Yeah. That's well done. And then it cuts to them on the swing, and Josie is swinging in a tight close-up in and out of the camera. Yeah. But they're having the conversation together and you never miss it. It's yeah. such a playful, a romantic, sweet conversation, so well done, so 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 well structured and choreographed. It is just I I just melted and it seems like wow, this is red. This is so good. And then there's another scene closer to the end where Duff is um driving along with his um with his son. He's just got he just picked up his son. And he's driving and you see the road as he's you see the the the, the um the tree line as he's driving and driving along and the sun is starting to break in between the trees as it drives yeah. along. And then as it keeps going, the trees become less and less and less until it becomes all sun. And that basically propels you to the end of the film. But that was just a a beautiful way of just showing that, uh, giving you a window into what his mindset was. Because when you do see the sun, then it circles into the car um, from the back, looking at Duff driving and him looking down at his son to sleep on the the on the car seat yeah it was yeah. so well done and it, again there are shots after shots like you know i talked about the one where they were they went hunting together but you know again the, the early on especially duff has this wildness in him because mm-hmm. he's on the frontier and and you know there is a scene where two sort of white locals come to the car where he's in the car and the whole scene you know there are tight shots on duff's face and on the white men's faces and then when it's over he tells um Josie you know there could have been trouble and she says you know well I would have kept you out of trouble and he says to her he laughs and says well I'm not a child and basically you know you can't tell me anything and the camera pulls back very quickly and you see he has a knife out yep and then the car drives away and it happens in a second as the car drives out there's a bullet hole in the back window so that lets you know Duff, Duff, Duff is a different person right now. Like this mm-hmm. is this is you know again, Duff is not going to handle these men like the men in town because Duff has that wildness in him. Yeah, and it's very quick. You can miss it, mm-hmm. but there's so many things like that. And again, it 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 speaks to the thoughtfulness of the script and of the cinematography and of the acting and everything. Um yeah. Yeah, good stuff. This was this was a, this, this a good is film. A good pick. This is a good pick. And this is a, this is a film much like Uptight which you brought up earlier that so many people don't know about. Right. But that deserves to be not just revisited just for enjoyment. This is a film this is a film that needs to be studied. This yeah. is a type, these are films yeah. that need to be studied for uh for true uh um authentic portrayals of uh, uh, uh 
time capsules yeah of those times and also again you know again we talked about it at the beginning i think i think it is so instructive mm-hmm. about the decisions that men and particularly poor black men mm-hmm. have made and continue to make yeah and it kind of you, you know because i i think you know many of us some of us have gotten to a position where we don't have to deal with this sort of again kind of day-to-day abuse yeah you know these microaggressions but there are a lot of men who this is more reflective of their lives Mm -hmm. than not and there are a lot of women who live with or deal with men who are dealing with this and I just think this is so, it, it. It really illuminated. I thought a lot of things in ways that I have very rarely, dare I say, I have never seen yeah. on film. Yeah. Because again, when we talk about film and we talk about racism in the South in the '60s, it's always something very dramatic. Mm-hmm. And sort of the definition of dramatic is that it doesn't happen that much. Like everybody didn't get lynched. Yeah. Like, you know, you know about the people that got lynched and we honor them and we talk about them, but that one like it was like thirty thousand other people in the town. But this is what they dealt with. Yeah. Every day. And again, it kind of informs the decisions they you know, I always say I think the most insidious part of racism when we talk about this kind of stuff is that it forces ordinary people to make extraordinary choices. Yeah. Like for me to stay in town and be a husband and be a father and go to work, which, like we said, should just be a regular thing because of this world that I live in. That is now an extraordinary decision. Right. So we talk about, oh, you're a father to your child and you're a husband and you go to work. And it's like that should just be regular stuff. Exactly. But it can't be regular stuff because of the way that my life is. Right. So. It's a great movie, and and it's a very entertaining movie. Oh, yeah. You know, I think it oftentimes is. these quote-unquote important films, and, and I'll, this is what you say all the time, it's like homework. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like, oh, God, I guess I got to watch it. But it's it, it really is a good film. It is a good film. It, it really and is it, and a it, good it, film. It takes you, and how brave is, is it for, like, the last line of the film to be like, you know, it, uh, it and I may be paraphrasing, um, it it's uh it ain't gonna be easy, but we're gonna be alright. But we're gonna be alright. And you know, the implication is maybe, but we'll see. But we remain hopeful. We do. We do. You should go check it out, ladies and gentlemen. Nothing but a man. Um it's available on YouTube. It's on so, YouTube. Uh, uh, again, yeah. I hate to say it, but unfortunately, yeah. it's one of those films where the whole thing is available on. It's YouTube. um, it's on DVD. I don't know if it's on Blu-ray, but I, I'm yeah, because it was I'm, reissued. Yeah, I'm DVD, 80, 90 percent yeah. sure it's on it Blu-ray because it was reissued in what 2012. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, because again, it's a film that comes up mm-hmm. like it's always on those lists. It is. It's so. a film that's highly regarded by uh, a lot of um, noted. Um, uh, film critics, including Roger Ebert, yes, um, before yes. his passing. So, if you haven't seen it, watch it. It's worth your time. It it's, is. It's, it it's is not worth, homework. It's definitely worth. It's so. definitely worth your time. All right, ladies and gentlemen. All right, that'll do it for this edition of the Michelle Mission. All right. Um, do we know? Yeah, yeah. My, I'm, I'm up. Dear white people. Dear white people. Let's go ahead and do dear white people. All right. Tessa Thompson mm. coming out in Thor and 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 the series Dear White People is coming on Netflix, I think, in a few months. Mm. Let's go ahead and watch it. Now I'm just gonna sit here on Tessa Thompson for a little bit. You just <laughs> <laughs> I like Tessa Thompson too. I do too. I like I I mean not like that. I mean like that. But but also I, I actually think she's I think she is one of the brighter young actresses. She is. Like in her generation. Like like I like Tessa Thompson a lot. So I'm actually looking forward to this. This is the one of the few Tessa Thompson performances I haven't seen. Oh. Ironically enough, and this is her big one. All so. right. Okay. So yeah, dear white people, dear white people, next week right. on the Michelle Mission, ladies and gentlemen, which you can check out each and every week on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, and every place that good podcasts be, as well as on the CLSN uh, Podcast Network 
and as a radio show. That's right. It's available as a radio show on Wednesdays at 8 p.m. on WPPMLP 106.5 FM, People Powered Media, Philly Cam Radio, Philadelphia and Camden, right here in the city of brotherly love. All right. Um, you can email us with your responses at Mission at gmail.com. Leave us a message or a quote or what have you on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook at uh, Michelle Mission. Follow us on Twitter at Mission Michelle. And also on Instagram at uh, Michelle Mission as well. And don't forget to hit us up, hashtag Vince in Europe, and let us know where are the hot record stores, comic book shops, and bookstores, and sneaker parlors in Paris, London, and Rome for Vince's uh, Europe vacation, which will be coming soon. Okie dokie. I'm Len, he's Vince, in parting, we say, we'll see you in this time to meet again. It's time to bid adieu. It's been a pleasure knowing you. I'll see you when it's time to meet again. <laughs>